When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, it is Drags Mike Petralia back with the latest episode of the Jungle War podcast, powered as always by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. It is my pleasure, my privilege, my honor to welcome back the uh, one and only Jay Morrison of Pro Football Network back to the Jungle War podcast. Uh, Jay, I trust you had a restful and enjoyable bye weekend watching, I gather, some good college football as well as NFL football on Sunday. Uh, the latter, yes, enjoyable. Uh, the former, restful, not so much. Uh, w- went to went to Ohio University to visit my son, so three-hour drive there, three-hour drive back, uh, a lot <laughs> of walking around and uh yeah, it's you, you kind of go back to your college days and relive a little bit of that. So it uh, wasn't restful, but it was enjoyable. Well, uh, you always rep OU, the Bobcats, very well. Yes. And uh, my significant other is uh, a Bobcat as well, yes. as as you well know, Deborah, uh, yes. went to OU. So uh, the fact that you're repping the school will make her uh, very happy when <laughs> she uh, delivers my critique of this podcast. All right. Enough the, of the frivolity. Let's get down to the brass tacks of what ails the Cincinnati Bengals going into the bye week and how they need to come out really uh, charging hard in, as you pointed out on Twitter, the only division in the NFL that is at 500 or better for all four of its teams. How do the Bengals go about uh, addressing? I, I'll start with the run game because I think that's the most obvious glaring need. How do they go about uh, fixing that, Jay? Yeah, I think they kind of pivot away from the move they made last year where they they went to exclusively uh, um, shotgun. And Brian Callahan, the offensive quarter, has said they're, they're going to do more under center. This isn't a rip up the the run game and and it's going to look totally different, but they are going to be under center a little bit more. Just, I mean, it, it things, it's not just the run game. It helps uh, certain runs, but it, it really, the play action off of that can really set up some of these, these more explosive passes that they've been missing. Maybe get T Higgins going, you get him one-on-one Joe, trust him to throw up some of those 50, 50 balls. And, and T's going to come down with those more often than not, even though he struggled so early. So I think that's where it starts. Um, the bigger question in my mind is is not what they do, but who they do or whom they do it with. And are we going to see Personnel. we going to see Chase Brown? Yeah. Are are we going to see more of him? He's not the biggest guy. He's not going to be the answer on the goal line and on fourth and one in the areas where they've really struggled. But he does have such burst, such explosion. And if if they can get some more, if they trust him to put him in there a little bit more, get some more passes to him and, and get him in open space. I know that's not really the run game, but just the whole the running back room to get more production out right. of that. And the way they they view the RPOs and those quick outside passes part of the run game as well. Um, there, there's a lot of meat left on that bone. I I think we've all been, I don't know, surprised. I've been surprised with how effective Joe Mixon's been. Um, 
but there are limitations and he's starting is getting, to wear down a little bit jay do you think yeah he's getting older we kind of knew this was the case that that he he's he's running backs don't really show that hint of decline it's more like a cliff so you're going along fine and, all, and then you're not and you better have a plan for when that happens uh, because you don't know when it's going to happen. And when you ride a guy like Joe Mixon, who's getting older, and it's not like they're giving him 25 carries a game, but you still wonder as this season gets later when they're going to need him more when the weather turns, is he going to have it? And I, I think that's why they need to start prepping Chase Brown. I have been on this bandwagon and <laughs> the soapbox, I should say. I've been on this soapbox for at least the last year and a half. The Bengals' inability to gain a yard when they absolutely, positively have to have the yard has not been there. And, uh, you know, I think it would drive a lot of Bengal fans nuts as, to, uh, you know, in all of these situations uh, that come up, whether it's in the postseason, the Super Bowl, or against the Seattle Seahawks or the Arizona Cardinals twice on the goal line, why can't this team get one yard? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes back to the, the the earlier years. You mentioned that they just didn't have an O-line that could get that push. I'm surprised. Everybody thinks when you need the one yard, you just slam it up in there. I mean, with how good Joe is on the move and with how hard Jamar Chase is to, to cover in a short space, I'm I just surprised we don't see more of those quarterback sprint outs on, on fourth and short, third and short, whatever it is. And and, you know, if, if that first option is there, which it usually is a quick little pitch to Jamar. And if it's not, I mean, Joe's not going to run forever. But he now that he's healthy again, I think they they could feel more confident knowing that if he if his first option's not there on the pass, he could still get to the corner and get to the yard. I just you see teams do that all the time, those sprint outs on the short yardage. And it it seems like it always works. I know that's probably not the case. But when you're watching these other games, it, it looks like a successful play. And the Bengals have the personnel to do it. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. One more time, that's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 and older and present in Massachusetts, Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay, any names stick out to you coming up to Halloween, the trade deadline at 4 p.m. that the Bengals uh, could target uh, in terms of running backs? And then we'll get to tight ends in just a second. But go ahead, if you if any names come to mind for you. Yeah, I think P. Ryan's the most obvious, but I, I just don't know that that's going to happen. Um, 
I think the coaching staff would love to have him back, right. but this, this front office just, it's not the way they operate. They're not going to give up picks. You know, P Ryan left for a reason the, the Bengals offered him the same that the Denver did. And I, I, I don't know if it was, he was tired of being in mix and shadow since they, they also played together at Oklahoma. Um, if he if he was promised a bigger role than what he got in Denver, then then maybe there is a crack there. Maybe he's he's frustrated with with his usage there and and would enjoy a reunion. But I just don't know that the Bengals are are gonna do something like that. I don't know that they're gonna do anything at all. It's just against their mo. They just don't make trades in season um, unless it's someone a malcontent, you know, begging to be let go. Right. They, they don't like giving up draft picks and and i get it i mean it's never a great plan and and the way this organization's been constructed it it makes sense especially now when when you're paying joe burrow all this money and orlando brown and soon to be jamar chase and and the guys on defense that they're paying you're gonna have those draft picks are even more valuable because that's how you're gonna have to sustain this team and fill out this roster so i i get where duke's coming from but man there it just feels like this team could get right back to where they were at the end of last year with a small piece or two a small price to pay i just don't think we're going to see them do it we talked about this off air jay speaking with jay morrison of pro football network um the last time the bengals made a significant in-season acquisition not a trade away but an acquisition this is remarkable (laughs) bring it up jay 1972 and the player was Hall of Famer Charlie Joyner, who's does he he spent most of his career with the Chargers, so he doesn't count as a Bengals Hall of Famer. Correct. Um that that trade was on November 1st, 1972. So this year's trade deadline will be 51 years almost to the day. Yeah. It was October 31st is this year's trade deadline. So um pretty remarkable. I mentioned the malcontents, Carlos Dunlap, um, Carson Palmer demanded a trade, finally got his way. Ricky Hunley. Uh, I don't remember what the situation was with Dan Ross in 1985, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking, we're going back to 1985 and the Bengals have made four trades uh, in season trades and none of them were acquisitions. They were all shipping guys off. Now, a lot of fans have heard this expression from us in the media and from others around and close to the team. This is a Super Bowl or bust season. I don't know if you're buying into that, but if that were indeed the case, wouldn't this be one of those exceptions where the Bengals go out and maybe uh, trade away a draft pick for a guy that could come in and, and make a big difference? Yeah, if it was Super Bowl or bust, but I don't think it is. I mean... You know, Burrow said it. I the, I think the the front office buys into it that the the Super Bowl window is open his entire career. Uh, I can't these these years all run together. I can't remember if Duke said this at this year's Mock Turtle Soup Fest or last year's, but they're they're never gonna sacrifice a future year for a current year. That yeah, that's ev- right. Every every year is important to them, and that's that's what he's talking about. You know, you saw the Rams do it. The Rams went for it. They went all in, uh, and and they won the Super Bowl. They beat the Bengals, and then couple injuries and look how putrid they were last year and the, right. the Bengals never want to be in that situation but I mean that's they have they've never won a Super Bowl you you fans may not know that <laughs> but at, at what point do you say maybe it that's is time right. to do something different you know it's like it, it's it's not as though they're this this dominant machine and they're they're cranking out double digit win seasons every single year and they just haven't climbed the mountaintop to win a 
a, a Lombardi trophy, they've, they've had their share of downtimes and, it, you know, maybe at some point, yeah, you say, let's, let's try something new because they have in, in so many other areas of the organization, they have embraced new thought and tried new things, especially these last few years to great success. But when it comes to roster building, they are just stuck in their ways. And I, I don't see it changing anytime soon. All right. Uh, we've addressed the running back position. It is gaining about 3.47 yards per carry. That is 27th in the National yeah. Football League. I don't go by, you know, the yards per game because for a team like the Bengals that aren't really going to run the ball a lot uh, to begin with, I'm, I don't, I think it's irrelevant that they haven't had a hundred yard rusher in X number of games and counting. I think the, the bigger number is yards per carry, but the other position that I want to get to is the tight end position. A lot of fans feel that this is an area where the Bengals need to improve. Irv Smith has either been injured or hasn't been really targeted as part of a primary part of the offense. And, you know, when you take a look at the tight end position for the Bengals, arguably the best receiving tight end has been on their practice squad in Tanner Hudson. He had the biggest explosive play of any tight end of the four tight ends that the Bengals have so far this year in the game against the Rams. What do the Bengals need to do, assuming it's not going to be uh, in the trade market? What do they do with the tight end position moving forward? Yeah, I I think kind of the progression of of what we're already seeing with with Burrow getting healthy. Irv Smith's never going to be a. I mean, they they have had a couple of plays where he's been the primary target, and the there was one last game against Seattle where he was wide open and the protection broke down. And and Brian Callahan, like surprisingly, I've not heard him. He called out Jonah Williams and Joe Mixon for missing their blocks on that play. Normally, it's right. we had a protection breakdown. He called out specific names. Um, that was wide open for a touchdown if if they get there. But I, I still don't think you're going to see a lot of that. I, I think what you're going to see is now that Burrow is more healthy and he can get through his progressions and, you know, maybe maybe Irv is the third in, in the progressions and he's running up the seam uh, against a, a linebacker that can't run with them or a, a safety that's too small, whatever it might be. If Burrow's not trying to get rid of the ball so fast because he's so worried about the calf and he starts looking like the Joe Burrow of old, then maybe that does open up that the offense more. I may, I don't know if Irv can ever be a Hayden Hurst type where you get the quick check down and you just count on him to, to break, break a tackle or just flat out run over a guy the way Hayden Hurst used to do. I don't think that's where Irv Smith is going to, is going to see increased production. It's, it's going to be on those those mismatches up the seam when Burrow has a little more time to find him if he doesn't see what he likes from Jamar and from T. You've had a, a you had a gr terrific article on uh, Pro Football Network. Uh, we talked about Oklahoma a little while ago. Two Oklahoma players, uh, one Cody Ford, and he was ghosted by another Oklahoma player that unfortunately landed uh, on the Cincinnati Bengals in the offseason, thanks to uh, one of their uh, the Bengals' uh, most remarkable free agent signings in their history. Uh, tell us a little bit about that uh, story, Jay. Yeah, so I was talking to Cody yesterday just about you know how difficult that was to he, – he'd never played left tackle since since high school. And now you're in the fourth quarter of a, a gotta have it win against Seattle and, and Orlando Brown's groin injury flares up. He can't finish. And it, it's Cody Ford that they turn to, to, to be the backup there. We all thought it was going to be Deontay Smith. Is it going to be Jackson Carmen? And Brian Callahan said, no, it, 
Cody Ford moved into that spot very early in training camp. So Cody Ford comes in and I thought he played pretty well. And I just, in the, in the, the, the bustle of the post-game locker room, I just didn't have time to go talk to Cody Ford. Right. And then the, the next day was the bye and they got out of there. So I wanted to get him yesterday and, and I did, and he was terrific. He was, he was really interesting, really funny. And that's what he was talking about is, you know, he's, he's, he hasn't played left tackle in the NFL ever, and he's primarily played guard. He started 15 games at right tackle with Buffalo as a rookie, but then he was kind of switched to a guard, and that's who he's been. And so his agent before training or before free agency said, how do you want me to sell you to other teams? And he's like, sell me as a tackle. That's what I want to hmm. play. And the Bengals, he said, the Bengals were open to that. Like, yeah, come on in. Battle for the the backup tackle spot. They still list him as a guard on their roster, but I don't know that the coaching staff has much say on what the what the actual social team is putting up on the website. But it is interesting they list him as a guard. Um, so he's he has a flight to Cincinnati to to have a visit, and he knew Orlando Brown was a free agent, and he's like, hey, let's let's get it back together in Cincinnati. And he had actually texted him a couple weeks earlier. Um, about this and didn't hear back and so now it's the eve of or free agency's already started and he has this visit and he texts orlando again and still doesn't get a uh a, a we've response all back. been there Cody. yeah we've all yeah. been there we some we text a friend that oh this friend's gonna want to hear from us they're gonna get right back to us <laughs> and radio silence yeah yeah sometimes you even see the three dots because you think they're typing and they just they read it and then they ignored it and so yeah you're right we've all been <laughs> yep. there uh yep. And then, and then Cody's on his flight to Cincinnati and, to sign his deal, and he sees the breaking news that Orlando's coming to Cincinnati too. So he was thrilled. Um, it was really cool of Orlando too, because normally when a guy gets knocked out of a game with an injury like that, the first thing is to go get treatment, and you see him leave the field. Maybe they come back in street clothes, um, but Orlando never did that. He stayed, and maybe that was because it was the fourth quarter too. The game was almost over. Um, but he stayed out there in uniform and, and was a big help telling Cody, okay, this is what they're doing. This is what they're running. This is how you can counter it. And that that's a big help anytime. Cause he, Orlando was talking about how hard it is to come in, in the middle of a game when there's a flow and just come off cold, come off the bench cold like that, but especially in a position you've never played in the NFL. So I just thought that was kind of a, a cool dynamic between those two in, in the locker room yesterday. Why do you think the Bengals, handle the second half of the season or at least the post by part of the schedule so well with Zach Taylor um because Joe Burrow's always hurt in the early part of the season I mean I think that's a big part of it yeah. I, I I definitely think that that has led to the, some of these slow starts um I think part of it too is is the the country club approach they take in the offseason and in training camp. They're not super physical. They do it with the long game in mind um, of keeping these guys healthy and keeping them fresh down the stretch. Um, I mean, you know, there's not many teams run the table throughout the season. You, you can either be hot early, you can be hot late. It's better to be hot late. Yeah, sometimes those sometimes those slow starts are hard to overcome, but the Bengals have proven they can do it. Um, this year might be a little bit tougher. But I, I think both of those kind of lead into it. And then the other part is, and, and I referenced it earlier, when they they went to completely shotgun run last, they're not afraid to make these, these mid-season changes when they see things aren't working. I, I think that's where maybe some encouragement should be for fans. And the interesting part coming out of this buy is what is going to be different? Because every team self-scouts, yep. and some of them, they might tweak some calls, some tendencies and that. But the Bengals have a way of of actually – 
making significant changes uh, at this kind of point in the season. So that I am interested interested to see what it's going to look like coming out of this buy. And you know, until they prove they can't get hot in a second half, I think you have to trust that that it's more likely than not that they will get things going and be right in the thick of it when when we get to January December. I'm not saying that Joe Burrow is going to be Kenny Anderson, but wouldn't, or even Boomer for that matter. <laughs> uh, but I would be interested in seeing more pure play action from Joe Burrow in the second half of the season and when post by, if indeed uh, he is 100% healthy. And it, and it appears he's, very, if not there, very, very close. Yeah. And that, and I think that's where Chase Brown can help because. The, the the play action the, the thing with joe and and you talked about it the yards per carry aren't great and the Bengals look at it more as rushing efficiency like how many right. plays did they get what was expected and, and mixon's not a home run hitter and so a lot of those guys that that have more yards per carry might have more negative runs or zero yard runs but then they they break a 41 here and there a 50 or something like that and that all kind of plays into that average and and when you have a guy in Mixon who who doesn't really present that kind of threat I don't know how effective play action is going to be but you get a Chase Brown in there and it's like okay hmm. he he breaks one tackle and he yep. can go 40 50 then play action becomes a much more effective tool so um I I do I I think that all kind of plays together go under center more often use play action more often use chase brown more often keep the defense on their toes they've become a pretty predictable offense through six weeks and part of that's due to the injury how did you read brian callahan's we get what's blocked i'm how just like I that i mean we have no explosion if it and it's the efficiency that's what they go for and if they're supposed to get five they get five uh but i there's clearly some frustration there that i don't know if if it's because mix, it's not like Mixon's not breaking tackles. He is. He he looks good. He he's breaking tackles. He's making guys miss. Now a lot of times it's more in the screen game when he's doing it out in the in the op, in the open right. field in the flat. But yeah, I don't I don't know if that was pointed. I guess it would have to be pointed at at, at Joe because he's the main ball carrier, and it's you're not pointing a finger at the offensive line because you're saying they're blocking what you're supposed you're getting what the, they've given you so it's on the back to make one guy miss and turn a five yarder into a 15 or a 20. Uh, T Higgins uh, now granted he is coming off a rib injury and rib injuries if you have ever had them when it hurt it hurts to even cough sneeze what have you um, granted he you know has hurt the last couple of weeks but I think the Bengals are going to have to have T Higgins closer to his true potential than what he has been through the first six weeks. If this offense is going to take that next step in the second half. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's, I don't, you don't want to say he's what makes it go, but the, the, the pairing of him and Jamar, I mean, look at all the crazy number Jamar is putting up without T being a threat. And then all of a sudden T starts becoming a threat and you could see even more from Jamar or you could see T Tyler. having some of these games or yeah, Tyler Boyd up in the middle. I think we're going to see some more of Yossi Voss in the second half of the season. Um, he's another guy that I, I, Joe Burrow trust him. And he's a guy that can win those high point, those 50, 50 balls. I don't think you're going to see him throw it to him as much as he would T Higgins, but I think we're going to see some more of him. Um, so yeah, Higgins T they've got to get him going. And, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about it unless he takes a shot on that rib again and then he has to miss games. But 
he's as motivated as anybody to get going. I mean, this think. is a contract year. Yeah. I mean, he, 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 there's millions of dollars on the line here. So um, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily that he's not getting the targets from, from Joe Burrow. It's uh, like I said before, it's, it's Joe constantly going to that first read through the first six games because of the injury. And a lot of times that first read was Jamar chase. You see they're moving him all around the field to, to make that the case to, to get him open on the move quicker, get the ball out quicker. Um, and it, 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 it looks like the last two games, the way Joe's moving, that that he's back to normal. And and I think that's just going to lead to T getting back to normal and this offense getting back to normal. All right. Uh, that is Jay Morrison of Pro Football Network. Something I want to uh, give you the chance here to do, Jay, is uh, promote your podcast, the Pro Football Network Bengals podcast with Dallas D. Robinson. What do you have up uh, this week? Yeah, so we're getting ready to record here a little bit later on Tuesday. We're going to uh, look ahead to the San Francisco game since we don't have a, a game to recap from this past weekend. Um, and then we're going to play a little game, uh, a couple games. Uh, what's most likely to happen in the second half of the season and versus least. And then which of we're going to power rank which five things that need to happen will happen first. Um, so we're we're gonna break that down. We mm. we do a fantasy betting segment on that on that podcast. We can help you guys with your bets on Sunday. Um, so a lot of a uh, lot of information, a lot of ground to cover this week. Even with coming off the bye week, and I do appreciate you you giving me a minute to plug the show. Please, uh, anytime, Jay. The least I could do. By the way, I think it's interesting, Jay. Three weeks ago, even when we saw San Francisco at San Francisco, followed by home to Buffalo. We thought those two teams are two of the best in the NFL, San Francisco, a little banged up. They've lost two straight. They're coming on, uh, into this week. Granted it's at home, but it's on a short week. And then the bills, they just lost to the Patriots. They really should have lost at home to the, the New York giants on Sunday night football. They are struggling. How do you read those two games back to back real quick? Yeah, much more winnable. I, I mean, the, the 49ers was a shock, as you mentioned, they were banged up. So you expected the offense to be a little down the defense. They had everybody and Minnesota didn't have Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins still threw for almost 400 yards. They they really lit up that San Francisco defense. That was the most surprising thing. So I, I think there's there's an opportunity for the Bengals to go out there and do what they've done in the past. Come off the bye strong, hit the ground running and Buffalo even the Jacksonville game they lost in London they just look fallible now they do not look like the same team and that that game is in Cincinnati on prime time you know the crowd's going to be electric um, I, I'd be surprised if they don't come out of these two one and one at least right and I think there's a sense that they they need to uh, accomplish that if they want to be where they want to be uh, in the AFC North uh, going forward. By the way, Fred Warner, one of the very best defensive players in the National Football League. I know we've already seen Miles Garrett of Cleveland. We've seen, we will see uh, Nick Bosa this week. Orlando Brown Jr. will have his hands full there. But Fred Warner is a middle linebacker. I don't think there's a better middle linebacker in football. And he left for what one play last night and came play. right back in and, and Greenlaw did the same thing, but it's just a tough defense. There's, there are really elite players at all three levels of that San Francisco defense. But um, if Kirk cousins and Justin Jefferson, less Vikings can do it. Uh, the, the Spangles offense can put up some points too. He is the one and only Jay Morrison does a tremendous job covering the Cincinnati Bengals and the NFL uh, for pro football network. Be sure to check him out there. And as well uh, on his Twitter handle page, uh, 
do that. And uh, Jay will be very happy that uh, you checked him <laughs> out, I'm sure. Um, by the way, good luck to your Bobcats the rest of the season. Yeah, by the way, you mentioned it earlier. My wife has never watched a single episode of my podcast. So I think it's great that Deborah watches yours. I will pass that along. She is in the background, actually in the kitchen behind me. So I'll be sure uh, to make sure she uh, hears that and knows that. All right. He is Jay Morrison. I'm Mike Petralia. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Jungle War podcast. It is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive online wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Until next week, keep that jungle roaring.